0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines concerning Liverpool FC. It's my first time back on the podcast in a little while, which means I've not had the pleasure of speaking to Matt Addison, but he's here with me now. And Matt, in the words of Thiago Alcantara, how are we?
1: <laughs> yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. It's uh, obviously the, the five year anniversary of Clock today, isn't it? So that's uh, a good thing to, to sort of talk about and, and think about today and a few other interesting stories going on as, as well to go through. So uh, yeah, even though it's the international break, I'm, I'm not too bad at all.
0: Yeah, we've got loads of content coming up on the, the Liverpool Echo's website and the Blood Red YouTube channel about Klopp's uh, five-year anniversary in charge of Liverpool. And at 4pm UK time today, we will be publishing our special Blood Red podcast about Klopp's time in charge of, uh, at Anfield. So on this podcast, if you don't mind, we're going to stay clear of the anniversary stuff and, and focus on some of those other headlines that have caught our eye that men- Matt mentioned then. Uh, and we'll start with one concerning a man that for so long at Liverpool and, and elsewhere was uh, Klopp's closest confidence. Is Jelko Buvac who has been speaking about his breakup with Klopp, Matt.
1: Yeah, once of course known as the brain uh, at Liverpool and well at previous clubs as well, he came 17 years with Jurgen Klopp, but he says he he broke up with him. In his words, he says you know they worked together as a favourite for 17 years, left very suddenly, didn't he? Before that Champions League semi-final second leg at Roma, so. Yeah, it's a a strange story. He didn't really give too much away, but you can clearly tell that, you know, without him wanting to to go into too much detail, he's still a little bit bitter, almost. He's a little bit um, still not wanting to to give Liverpool any credit. We saw a couple of days ago that that he sort of admitted, really, he didn't uh, send a message of congratulations or anything to Jurgen Klopp. Clearly, they're not quite on, on good terms yet, but I'm sure that the full story will come out at some point probably when both of them have retired but yeah it, it doesn't seem like they've spoken since the tackle win obviously since Bouvac's left Liverpool they've won the Champions League and uh, the Premier League so they've not been doing too badly without him but uh, yeah he, he didn't really give a great deal away other than the fact that he's still not made peace with the fact that he's left Jurgen Klopp uh, they worked together obviously at, at Mainz then at Dortmund and then obviously moved to, to Liverpool as well but yeah it's a really sort of strange situation when you think of how close they were i mean i know in the past they've had little fallings out and things like that at previous clubs and that's maybe lasted a couple of days or a week or so but it it's never quite been as bad as this and you wonder sort of you know quite how that happened quite so suddenly to be honest but yeah bubach has sort of found himself there a next step in his career now at Dinamo Moscow, of course, in, in Russia, sporting the director, I think he is over there. You know, he, he seems happy enough with the, the way that his career has gone. Obviously, Jürgen Klopp and his new assistant Pep Linders and, and the existing staff that, that were there when Brubac was there as well. They're all very happy as well with, it's gone, with the way it's gone. Obviously, Liverpool have been very, very good. and I think, obviously, Brubac departing offered the chance, really, for for Pep Linders to step up and really increase his power and influence that he had at at Liverpool. So, yeah, I suppose it it was a a strange situation, but certainly I think probably Liverpool have benefited more than than Bubac have, to be honest, in the the two years past since uh, he departed. But, yeah, it's a, a strange story. He doesn't say too much, but he does quite clearly still uh, or haven't quite really got over that breakup with with Jürgen Klopp and, and with
0: Liverpool. Yeah, one of the quotes, by and large, for all these 18 years with Klopp, I felt myself in charge. I did all the same work. I just didn't have that much attention, all these interviews, but I didn't need it. Uh, yeah, as you say, I think it's only... The only time we'll get the true story is when you know Klopp speaks about himself, which he's, he's always kept a dignified silence, but you know, he, he, I find it hard to believe that, uh, you know, what Bouvac's saying this day is completely true because, as you rightly say, Matt, look what's happened since his departure. You know, I remember at the time covering uh, the club on our podcast around that time and a a lot of people were concerned by his departure but you're right, they've gone from strength to strength and a lot of of that has got to be down uh, to to Jurgen Klopp, what an amazing manager he is kind of leads on to our next story because it's about Klopp obviously it's about people like Pep Linders but it's it's about the whole structure of the club isn't it Matt that's in that's in place behind the scenes and I think this next story we're going to talk about which you wrote is a, is testament to that like the Bouvac one you can find it on the Liverpool Echo's website right now and it's titled Liverpool partner with revolutionary company to save millions in the transfer market uh, it got me interested when I seen it I actually didn't know you'd written <laughs> it at the time when I seen it last night I, I, I read it and really enjoyed it if you can just tell the listeners a a little bit about what it's about.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, uh, Liverpool have been, you know, sort of leaders in the sort of analytics and, and that sort of thing and, and data. Um, and obviously, a lot of that is down to the transfer market. But especially, I think that's you know taking on a new step over the last 12 months. It was uh, a company that I just happened to, to, uh, to come across. I was doing a bit of research a couple of months ago now for. Um, a different uh, podcast I think that we were doing and it was something that somebody else somewhere else uh, had written a little bit about but not gone into the huge detail and it was something that that I sort of found really interesting I think the the way that Liverpool's recruitment runs obviously we know it's it's world leading it's probably the best of of the elite clubs around Europe and obviously there's uh, a lot of interest uh, in and around that but we don't know a great deal of exactly what goes on obviously you know broadly speaking you know, what type of players Liverpool target. You look at someone like Sadio Mane, who came in when he was 24 from Southampton. He was a little bit inconsistent. Liverpool picked up on you know, the the data points that showed that if he could become a little bit more consistent, then he would become the player that, of course, he is today. But you know, I wanted to, to go into a little bit more depth and a little bit more detail. So over the last 12 months or so, Liverpool have partnered with this uh, Paris-based start-up company called... Skill Corner and essentially I spoke to their CEO and obviously you know, he can't give away the exact secrets obviously Liverpool wouldn't be best pleased if uh, he gave everything away but he did confirm that they are working sort of alongside Liverpool's scouting department and it's sort of the next step really in scouting obviously Liverpool as I say have been you know world leaders in this but now it's a case of, of making sure that they stay ahead of the curve and, and make sure that other teams don't start to catch them up because, of course, everybody is now aware of, of how successful Liverpool's transfer methods are. Everyone's now trying to copy them. So now they need to go out and, and find the next thing. So uh, startup company essentially is, is to do with artificial intelligence, it's to do with machine learning, and essentially that helps them collect a million data points for every single game that they cover the moment I think it's 23 leagues across Europe that they cover that's soon going to almost double to 40. So they're looking at, at you know millions and millions billions of, of numbers every single weekend as, as so many matches take place and essentially Ian Graham who's part of Liverpool's uh, scouting department got them involved and, and sort of used them really to to develop Liverpool scouting to the next level. So they've worked together uh, for about a year now and it sort of helps Liverpool put together more advanced statistics and you know more advanced models to check which players are going to be best. So uh, as one specific example, they can sort of work out how highly pressed a player was when he was in possession, and that can help you work out you know more than just a passing percentage, for example. You can look at a passing percentage, but then you can look at well, what percentage of those passes that the player, didn't complete maybe there was a a reason for that maybe it's not quite as simple as they gave the ball away you know maybe they had four or five players around so it's kind of taking the numbers that we know uh, that football clubs use and sort of adding more and more and more to that obviously a big thing in in data mining and and making sure that you find as many patterns as possible that are are useful to to find out things you need as much data as possible and, and this is what Liverpool have done now they've gone from Essentially, you know, having uh, enough data for for just one club and and the stuff that they could find, which is what most clubs have, you know, internal data, they've basically outsourced that now and and used this company to keep an eye on basically every single top-flight game around Europe, every single possible player that they could possibly want to know about, they now know about. And essentially, a lot of clubs do this, as I say, individually, but this is like doing it, on a much wider geographic mm-hmm. scale. So Liverpool have now got this across Europe. They can use it for, for transfers, they can use it for scouting, and it just basically means that, that they can stay one step ahead of the curve. So again, it, you know, we we talked so many times about how world-leading and advanced that Liverpool's system is, but I think this is just them being proactive again and doing the next step of that before everyone else manages to catch up.
0: It is a really interesting story. (laughs) I'm sure you've sold it to the listeners there who want to check it out. It's on the Liverpool Echo's website. And alternatively, if you look at the description on this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you should be able to click through to it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. To our third story, uh, I think it's fair to say that Virgil van Dyke will go down as one of Liverpool's best ever buys and the £75 million man has been speaking to Eddie Hearn on the Boxing Promoters No Passion, No Point podcast and uh, the echo, Matt, have picked out a couple of the interesting lines.
1: Yeah, some some interesting quotes from, from van Dyke. obviously, Liverpool are there to be shot out at the top of the Premier League table and he essentially says that, that Liverpool's players feel that that is the case now that everyone wants to feel uh, the hardest thing to do isn't it to retain that Premier League title winning it is hard enough but then you know, staying top is, is even harder than that and, and I've like, basically come out and said that Liverpool have enjoyed being champions but now they've got to, to go again and make sure that they keep up that concentration and I suppose we don't know exactly when this podcast was recorded whether it was before Aston Miller or, or afterwards but certainly you know, after that defeat, you sort of look at these quotes and think, you know, Liverpool are going to have to to reset and and go again. So, I suppose it's kind of timely that they have come out uh, the week after that heavy defeat. But uh, I suppose in that defeat as well, there's been a lot of debate and discussion about whether not having supporters in the stadium has made a huge difference across the Premier League. We're seeing lots more goals, we're seeing lots more defensive errors uh, across the country, and. Bundt kind of alludes to that. Really, he says it's it's really hard. He's found it individually really hard, but probably teams as well have found it difficult without fans. Fans obviously play a massive part, as he says. You know, they lift you when you concede a goal. They dampen the opponent when you score a goal, and it's sort of the the same for all teams in a way. But I think, as he says, you know, just as much, or, or possibly even more, for, for Liverpool, given the way that they play and, and the intensity certainly for the bigger games that you get at Anfield. So, obviously yesterday we, we spoke on, on the podcast about the Premier League, the EFL, the women's game and the FA coming together to try and get fans back in stadiums and I think this is essentially Van Dyke saying yes, the, the quicker that fans get back the better and, and obviously that goes without saying for in terms of getting us back to normality, the financial thing, everything about it but I think for, for Liverpool and, and for the players, it's even more important than for, for most other teams in terms of a sporting sense as well.
0: Agreed. Liverpool's men's team returned to action a week on Saturday when they travelled to the Premier League <laughs> leaders and Merseyside rivals Everton That's a, a game I'm sure we, we'd all love fans to be at. But Liverpool's women's team were in action last night and they recorded a very sweet victory, Matt.
1: Yes, they did yesterday afternoon. They beat Manchester United 3-1 in the Conte Cup. So, yeah, it's a very, very good United team. They've obviously not been a team for for that long. I think they only made their women's team two or three seasons ago. But there's been a lot of investment in that team. They're a much better team on paper than Liverpool. But it's been a really good start to the championship season. Obviously, Liverpool got relegated last season on that points-per-game basis. They were bottom they'd only scored one or two goals at the point where the season was stopped and I think they felt a little bit unfortunate they could have potentially got themselves out of it but obviously on on the the way that they played up until that point that wasn't um, mathematically the case so they got relegated but they've started the, the season well well three wins from three I think it is now and you know this was a much bigger test but then though Obviously, the three wins and three in the league, but this was in the cup, as I say, and you know it, it's just one of those results, really. That I think Liverpool's women's team often people look at it and think, well, there's not been enough investment, there's not been enough attention. They've now got relegated to the to the club, maybe not care about them as much as as they should. But I think you know, this result kind of disproves that. I think it, it shows really that Liverpool can compete in the the women's game with even. You know the the best sides, and they are going to have to do that again. They play Everton and Manchester City as well in this group stage, and this is the the first big test. Probably Everton and, and Man City. Certainly Manchester City would be a much bigger test again. So they're going to have to to come out with some more important results over the next few weeks. I'm not too sure when those matches are, but over you know, the the course of, of when they take place, it, it's going to be an even bigger test, I think, for for Liverpool. But yeah, Rachel Furness with a couple of goals. Rinsola Babagide as well from the penalty spot. She came on as a substitute and scored. So, yeah, a 3 1 win. Really important, I think, for, for the women's team to almost put themselves back on the map, really. Obviously, after that relegation, it was uh, all a, a bit negative. But, yeah, as I say, it's a, a really good start to the season. And this is absolutely the, the standout result so far.
0: Thank you very much, Matt. That's all your headlines for today. Do please keep an eye on the Liverpool Echoes website throughout the day for all the big breaking news. Uh, But before we go, just a quick congratulations to Curtis Jones and Rhys Williams, who both made their England under-21 debuts uh, yesterday afternoon. Jordan Henderson, Joe Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold, who turned 22 yesterday, could all play for England's senior side against Wales at Wembley tonight. But before then, if you do get a chance, please do check out our Blood Red podcast special on Jurgen Klopp's five-year anniversary, which, as I say, will be out around 4pm uh, UK time today. But until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.